Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. How many times have you been reunited with your kids after school or after being away from them or them doing an activity only for you to say, hey, how was your day? And then it's crickets. They are like, fine. I don't know. Great. I have boys, as you can tell, uh, because that's the kind of answers that I get. And I have a guest who's going to help us with all of this, who's going to help us have meaningful conversations and help us to figure out ways to start conversations because it's so important to be able to talk to our kids and have them want to talk to us. So I have Rebecca Rowland here, who is the author of The Art of Talking to Children. And she's pretty, she's a pretty smart cookie. Uh, she's a lecturer at uh, the Harvard Graduate School of Education. She also serves on the faculty of Harvard Medical School and is an oral and written language specialist in the neurology department of Boston Children's Hospital. So just to name a few uh, credits to her name, uh, she's a natural, uh, sorry, a nationally certified speech and language pathologist and has worked clinically with populations ranging from early childhood through to high school and and has provided teacher professional development. So she's teaching the teachers, which is fantastic. And she's also a mom to a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. So she gets this like nobody else gets this. So welcome, Rebecca. It's so wonderful to, to have you on the uh, on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm so excited to talk about these really important topics. Oh, me too. So let's just dive right in. So what exactly do you do in your work? Is it 
is it more teaching the teachers or is it really working with kids? Like what, what, are, what is it that you're doing? And then I want to talk about your book. And then I got so many questions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I have over a decade of work as a speech language pathologist where I've done a variety of things. So I've worked mostly in schools um, where I have worked at the same time, taking groups of kids or small groups of kids who are having communication challenges, working one-on-one -on -one with kids, and then also working with teachers. So I teach teachers how to use, new assessments, new curricula, and also I push into classrooms, meaning that I go in, observe, help the teachers figure out, well, how do we make this language environment work for the kids? And also, how are the kids in your class interacting with each other? So really thinking about mm. kind of being a fly on the wall and figuring out, well, how can we make this classroom work better? Um, so that's what I've been doing. And now I also teach at Harvard, who I, which I teach graduate students. So they are people who are, who've been to college and they're planning to become either teachers or researchers. Um, and so we're really thinking about, well, how do we actually understand a child's needs and make recommendations for them? So I've been on kind of both sides. Mm. And also I think a lot um, from a perspective of a mom as well. Yeah, yeah. And so there's obviously um, a big difference between speech pathology and conversation, right? You know, it, it, some cases there's there's a, a medical reason why there's a difficulty with speech or, or or that sort of thing. But then there's just conversation. So that's really where we're going to land today is really talking about talking and having a conversation. And so your book, The Art of Talking with Children, what made you what made you write that book? And what is it really, t tell us what it's all about, because I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, literally. Sure. Yeah, so it's funny um, that you asked that, because it's actually a com like a combination. It's a memoir. So thinking about my journey with my own kids, figuring out how to have meaningful conversations, and also a guidebook for parents. So I kind of interweave stories from my parenting, stories from what I've seen as a teacher and a clinician, and also what we know, sort of the latest and most up-to-date research on what strategies actually are helpful to okay. build children's kindness and their confidence and so on. So really kind of goes and braids different strategies with, um, you know, testing it out in my own life. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. So why does it seem so hard to talk to kids? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think it's always maybe been hard, but especially now mm. um, because we've been, you know, there's technology to play a role, um, you know, where kids are doing their own thing, we're doing our own thing. There's just naturally our, our schedules are really packed. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, sports after school. They have many different programs they're in. Maybe the parents and them are both worried about getting into college or, you know, doing really well in school. So there's a lot of pressure. Uh, so there's just a lot of factors that make it really hard to sit and feel like we can have a relaxed conversation or have something that's not about, you know, get your soccer uniform or, you know, how well did you do on that test or something like that. That's a really good point because most of the time we're talking to kids, we're telling them to do something or telling them how they've done about something or arguing with them because they haven't done something yes, or, yes. and like, what about just sitting down and saying, Hey, like, yeah, let's just talk about the weather and then see where that takes us. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and what you're saying is it's always been hard, but it's even harder now because of technology, 
pressure, full schedules, activities, sports. And so it's these little conversations that are more transactional than they are quality, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think if we all, and I noticed this, this is partially what caused me to write the book is I noticed that I was a researcher focused on conversations and language, but in my own life, I started to take a look and realize, oh, wow, most of my conversations are pretty transactional and pretty logistical. Um, so then I realized, well, if this is true for me and I focus on this in my research. I imagine it must be true for a lot of other people. Uh, and the more I talked to other parents and families, the more I found that, yeah, it was really true. Okay, so here, here's the thing. How do we get them you know, I, I sort of opened this up by saying, hey, how was your day? How do we get them to open up about their day? What are some conversation starters that we can use to like really start this going? And by the way, like I've tried some things like, you know, what was the funniest part of your day? If an alien came down from space and grabbed one person from your class, who would it be and why? And you know, all those sort of things. And I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. I have no idea. So I love that you're here helping. That's great. Yeah, but I think, I mean, those are great starting ideas because one thing I do suggest is to start by being more specific um, mm -hmm. because a lot of times kids hear how is your day and they just don't really know, you know, it sounds like really easy as a question, but it's actually really abstract. You know, you mm -hmm. think like, well, lots of different things happen. There's probably various things that happen that were good, things that happen that were bad. So a lot of kids actually have trouble summarizing all of that into one specific story. So we're looking for kind of a story, but they're right. kind of giving us a general like, ah, oh, fine or bad or good or whatever. Um, so one thing to start with is to be more specific. Like what was the funniest thing? Or even like, well, what, if, especially if you know something that's ongoing from their days. So like, say, you know that they've been playing a basketball game in gym class recently, you know, to ask about that, to ask about something you already have some information about, like, oh, what happened at the basketball class today? Or, um, oh, did Mr. Whoever was, did he tell another joke today? Like when you already kind of, you jump off of something mm -hmm. that you already know happened, um, that can kind of trigger and jumpstart kids to keep that conversation going. So it feels like an ongoing talk rather than, you know, something that comes out of thin air. I like that. An ongoing talk. Okay. Yeah. Like, Hey, how was it? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. What I'm hearing is that we also have to be listening when they do talk, right? So that we can have that ongoing conversation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And just, it doesn't take much. So I think just to really let that be without a lot of times we actually tend to ask questions one on top of the other. Yeah. Like, how was your day? How was the test? How was Mr. You know, how was after school? How was, you know, and a lot of times we don't give a lot of space actually. So if a kid starts telling a specific story, really ask more questions about that specific story rather than like, mm -hmm. okay, sure. So what about this? What about this? We tend to want to jump around, but kids mm -hmm. often want to kind of explore whatever was catching their attention initially, mm -hmm. um, even if it seems small to us, you know, so my five-year-old will say like, oh, well, you know, this person was blowing bubbles in my face and I told him I didn't want to, but then, you know, he wants to tell a whole story about it. So actually to go into that, there's a lot you can talk about rather than yeah. saying like, sure, that's fine. What about, you know, soccer? Uh, so that's one idea. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I think in the past I've sort of looked at it as a checklist, like, yep, I asked, uh, yep. Okay. I think I know. And it's like, I can't just tick a box with my, you know, with my kids. Right. I, you got to get in there and really, you know, really talk about, yeah. Like ask follow-up questions. 
Yeah, and I think realize, sort of have self-compassion and realize, like, you don't have to have all those boxes checked off. Like, if you don't know how well they did in science class or you don't know if they turned in all their homework, like, that's okay for right now. Like, you might figure that out later, but to feel like, well, let's just spend this time almost, like, diving deeper rather than doing, like, a surface-level assessment of everything. Yeah, you know, I really value conversation with my kids and, uh, you know, we, we kind of have this unwritten rule, my husband and I, that, you know, at the end of the day, when we're, you know, sitting on the couch and we're watching a show or whatever, if one of the boys comes down though, like we pause that show, we are like fully focused on them. And it doesn't matter if it takes the rest of the night. It doesn't matter if it takes five minutes, you know, I don't care. None of this is inconvenient for me because what you have to say is so important to me. Um, and I think it would also be easy to be like, can you come back later? Cause I'm just in the middle of my show or yeah. whatever it is. And that's look, we deserve the downtime for, for sure. sure. Um, but I think prioritizing it too, I think is a really important piece because I think, well, I know at the core of who we are, we all want to be heard. Right. Exactly. And that's really what all my work is about. Just like, how do we actually hear each other? So teaching mm. kids to listen to us teaching mm. us, ourselves, you know, to really listen to kids. And, and actually one thing to your point is I often use this thing called bookmarking, which is sometimes acknowledging that we really want to have this conversation. Mm. We're going to put a bookmark, like we can't do it right now for whatever reason. And the important thing is to tell your child what the reason is, at least within limits, you know, like right mm. now I'm in the middle of this phone call, you know, I can't have this conversation, but, and then also to set a time when you can, um, you know, yeah. to say like, Oh, actually, like we can, I'll be done in 20 minutes. Like, let's do it then. So then you're telling your child, you know, I care about you. I care about this topic. But for this specific reason, I can't have that conversation right now. Yeah. So you're still hitting that bond, but kind of saying like, mm. we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Now, what if you have a child that doesn't want to talk? Yeah. And I think um, there could be a lot of reasons for that. So the first thing is to just really pay attention to maybe the reasons that the child doesn't want to talk if they give you reasons or noticing times when that child is talking because mm. usually you'll find that even with kids who are almost not talking at all there are some circumstances where they do open up you know maybe that's with one particular friend or maybe it's when you go on a long hike and everyone's bored and there's nothing else to say mm. um, they'll start talking um, and that's actually one thing I recommend is first notice and second, really offer some silent time together, often doing something, you know, so whether it's taking a walk or being in the car or, you know, doing some kind of playing basketball, some kind of activity that gets you moving, gets you working together um, and not pushing it because a lot of times kids mm -hmm. like that will feel like, oh, the more they're in this cycle of, my parent really wants me to talk and I really don't want to. And they're pushing and pushing and it feels like you're pulling teeth. Um, mm -hmm. Often kids have something to say, but they're just not sure how to get that cycle restarted. Mm -hmm. So sometimes giving that quiet time where you're active, where it's not, you know, you're not staring at each other in the face, you know, yeah. you can have a sense of the child opening up. Oh, that's, that's really great advice. And it, it's, it's really good specifically for boys too, right? Like when we make them want to sit down across from us and have a conversation, like we know there is a spike in stress hormones that they feel when you make them have eye contact with you, yes. right? So we don't want to stress them out. And so that side by side or just non-threatening way of just having a conversation and 
And I think that we need to embrace the fact too. And, and this is, I mean, I'd love to hear what you, you have to say about this is, is really just talking less mm-hmm. and listening more chances are they've already heard what you're about to say anyway, yeah. you know, especially if it's constructive criticism or some <laughs> sort of, you know, you know, we get into lecturing and that just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard, but I think it is so important if we can stay in the moment with kids a little bit more than we tend to like if your child's playing basketball with you and that you know to think okay it's okay that we're going to talk about whatever basketball thing we're talking about and we're not going to dive into this really deep conversation right now Um, those bonds are being made and and the bonds Mm. are what help you have the deep conversations later yes Uh, i think that's so important it's all it all comes down and back to connection doesn't it for sure. Yeah, that's 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 pretty great. And and honestly, how how much of a relief is that that I can just hang out with my mom or dad and not have to hear about my grades and not have to hear about all the ways that you think I'm doing things wrong and like we do it with the best intentions of teaching and guiding our kids, but we do it too much and it becomes about us, right? Cuz we're feeling uncomfortable about it and so we want to bring it up every chance we get like don't forget, don't forget. And I'm of it too you know my kids are teenagers my oldest is 17 and so there he's in grade 12 and so there is this next stage of life that you know I'm I'm worried about if I'm being really honest of course why, why of course any parent would be you know and so there is pressure there on both of us yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think to, to recognize that and even to say even if you feel like for example you've been bringing up, you know, college or whatever, a lot, you know, maybe to take a time one time and just say like, you know, I know we've both been pretty stressed about this. Like, why don't we just Mm. step back for a day or for half a day or something? Like, let's just do something else, you know, really to say like, let's just both take a break from this, you know, because sometimes we do just need to talk that out and say it out loud. Oh, I love it. I love saying the thing, saying the actual thing, right? Like, let's take a break from talking about this. Can we just enjoy each other's company? Exactly. Yeah, and I yeah. think our kids will be relieved to feel like, okay, I know you're not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> to actually hear that, at least for a little while, because they're worried about it too, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I can tell you right now, my, my son thinks about it all the time, right? And uh, and I think about it all the time, but we don't have to talk about it all the time. So exactly. it's such a good point. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, this is all about connection. Like, we want to have a good relationship because if you don't have the good relationship, none of this is possible. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah. what's so critical. Yeah, it's just to actually feel like you can enjoy each other's company and have that relationship building and not feel like it has to be pressured. Yeah. So, okay. We're talking about teenagers or at least my teenagers, um, but they are their own special breed of, um, you know, talking and having conversations because they're really that part of their development means they want to, to move away from us, right? Their peers are more important than, than we are as we have been in their past. Right. So how do we get teens to talk? Yeah, I think there's a couple of good things to keep in mind. And one is just to start by listening to, mm. and even not necessarily, definitely not eavesdropping, but even listening to them when they're with their friends with you. Mm. You know, just taking, hearing what they're saying, hearing how their friends are talking with them, hearing what their their actual interests are when you're just hanging out. So if you're driving them somewhere, or if you're with them and they're having, you know, a group activity together, just taking the time and kind of checking the pulse of like, well, what is it that they're interested in talking about when they're not talking to me? Um, that's going to give you a really good indication of kind of where their authentic, you know, concerns are right now. 
And so if you want to have a conversation to kind of start from those can give you some really great ideas. Mm. Um, and another thing I would say is a lot of times kids in that age range, like they really do feel like they want more control, more independence. And sometimes it can be hard to give that to them. Um, but one thing to do is to consider, is there a way that they could actually teach you something um, and have a conversation based on well, what can you teach me about this thing? Um, and I felt like that's been really useful for a lot of parents because they'll find that, you know, maybe it's something as simple as like this thing in a video game or something about the car that they just bought, you know, that has whatever kind of thing to fix. Mm. Um, but so many teenagers especially feel really empowered if they're able to say like, I actually taught my parents something they mm. actually didn't know, um, rather than this sort of fake, like, well, teach me something that, you know, you really know already. Um, but to actually have that sense of the role reversal just for a little bit can really yeah. help them open up. Yeah, that is really cool. That that's that's such a great suggestion. So hearing what it is that they say, hearing what they like, you know, sort of just observing. And you've really just said that a lot is noticing. Like mm -hmm. let's tune in a little bit and notice, right? Let's be interested, let's be curious and then allow the space to be there too, the space of quiet so they have the space to talk. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think you just to, um, to build on that, I think just also recognize that we can let go a little bit about sort of the sense of this is bad and this is good. So a lot of times kids will feel like, oh, I'm playing this video game and my mom or my dad, they hate it when I play video games. So they feel already really defensive. Um, mm. So if you're like, well, yeah, we don't want any kid like overplaying video games. Obviously not. But, you know, just asking, well, what are you playing? What's fun about that for you? you know, to get a sense of like, why are they enjoying what they're doing? And that mm. can give them a sense too of like, oh, my parent actually is interested in what I think is cool. Um, not that maybe they don't think it's cool, but like at least is interested to hear about it. Yeah. Um, other way in. You know, so obviously this is the work that I do and I talk to my clients all the time about listening and, and I want to tell you a quick little story with my youngest who was playing a video game and uh, he wanted to talk to me about it. And I noticed that I couldn't have cared less. Like, I mean, really, truly, I don't care okay. about this video game at all. But I was like, well, hold on a second. You know, like, let's listen to your child, Robin, right? Like, this is my beautiful child. Um, so I started to listen to him and I learned about this one particular character and I used to like pretend I was that character. And so we would talk and then every time something new happened in the game, I would hear him like say to my husband, like, where's mom? Because I got to tell her this thing. It was really beautiful. And then I remember seeing him in this store. So he was quite a bit smaller. He was, he was little. And I, I noticed him at the back of this like video game store, you know, where all those pop Funko pops are with those, you know, yeah. uh, and I saw his little self and I saw his arm like reach up to get something and and he grabbed it and brought it down and all I could see was it was just all black and I didn't I was like and and I could see like his big brown you know saucer eyes coming towards me right and I'm like what could he possibly be so excited about showing me and it was that character Aww. and he's like mom you've got to get this you've got to oh, get wow. this so <laughs> it was so sweet and so I did get it and he's in my office this little guy and he does serve as my reminder you know because we really connected over that it was really yeah. special and the fact that I you know I think it matters that I 
care enough to have that little figurine and you know whatever in my office and it's it's my, it's so my reminder of my connection for him yeah to him yeah, you know yeah. that's so wonderful and I I found that too I mean that's lovely because I I do think that's that's so wonderful when you can spend not even so much time but just to really just open that door and say like sure tell me about it or even like why are you so interested like for me sometimes yeah there's things I hear about I'm not always super interested in but I'm like I'm interested in why you're interested in it. Like, what is so cool about that? You know, yeah. someone will be like, oh, it's because there's this huge wave of water and it comes super fast and you have to jump over this. And I'm like, wow, that does sound pretty, that's pretty scary. You know, so I, I love that because I think it is yeah. so important no matter what the subject is. Oh, and it feels good. Like, that's the thing. When you're connected with your kids, it's fun. It feels yeah. good. It feels like home. It's like exactly what we want to feel. It's why we became parents, exactly. you know? Yeah, I just love it. So, okay. So we talked about teens. Now, how do we, because we have busy lives and I know, you know, people have really looked at those lives post COVID and all that kind of stuff. But if we don't have a lot of time to have a meaningful conversation, if we have multiple kids, if we do have a busy schedule, how can we do this without there being, you know, half an hour or more to have a conversation? Yeah, so I think about it really like these moments accumulate. So these can be like small moments that you have, even if you have just say five or 10 minutes a couple times a day, you know, really mm -hmm. almost no time, but while you're cooking dinner or while you're getting home from somewhere, just to actually sit and take that position of, I'm gonna be this sort of curious listening observer. I'm gonna actually follow with what your interests are and ask about that. I'm not gonna try to change the subject to something else or try to flip to what we need to do next, I'm actually gonna sit in this moment, even just for five minutes and say like, well, what is it about that? Or tell me more mm -hmm. about that. And just be in, with that presence. And you often find that those things build and they accumulate mm -hmm. throughout the day to create that bond. So you don't have to be having, you know, lengthy hour long conversations. It can be really simple and really small. That's great. That's great. And it's good to know that. It's really good to know that, that you can kind of accumulate it and you could say, and, and I'm and, and this is really a question, like, can you go back and say, hey, remember when we were talking about this? Can we talk a little bit more about that? Like, can you tell me exactly. more about that? Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's that's great, and especially kids who feel like, well, I have so much to tell you about this. You know, they will want to jump right back in. Um, so a lot of kids will be really excited to be like, oh, you remembered. Because a lot of times they do get that sense from adults that they're nodding, but they're not really actually listening. Um, so if you actually remember mm -hmm. something we told you, especially if it's something specific, like, oh, I remember Luigi was jumping on those mushrooms. Can you tell me more about that? You know, it's like they're just their faces usually light up to be able to, you yeah. know, connect with you again about something. And that really goes back to how we all need to be heard. And when we are heard by the most important people in our lives, our parents, it is so important and and i can't stress it enough you know in the work that i do one of the first things that i do is go back and talk about the way you were raised and talk about the messages that you got and and how that formed who you are and so many people say like what i said didn't matter you know and that does lead to triggers later on you know, for me, it was, it was the biggest thing. Like I wasn't heard and respected for my thoughts, ideas, or opinions. And then when I had kids, I was the boss, but they weren't listening. And I raged. I was so, so angry and it was my stuff. Right. And so this is, you know, I talk about that a lot on the show and, uh, and in my work. And so I just want to 
be clear about how much this matters. Yeah. 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 And I do think even just to notice if you are feeling like this is really hard and yeah. really like, oh, I, I just have real problems, you know, pulling back and to have compassion for yourself and to realize oh. like, yeah, I mean, it can be really hard if this isn't something that you are used to doing or used to having for yourself. Um, and to help your kids do that for you too, I think is really mm. important, you know, especially as they get older. And thank you for saying that. It's not the first time you've said that to have compassion for yourself. That yeah, I think it's, so yeah, it's, it's so important because I think sometimes a lot of parents say, well, how am I supposed to fit this in on top of everything else? And I think, yeah, I mean, as a parent myself, I understand and sympathize with people and hopefully this doesn't feel like yet another thing. So it's meant to feel like something that actually supports parents. And, and it's, and it's, you know, my God, my goodness, like it, it ticks so many box boxes in terms of needs that yeah. your kids have, right. It's connection. It can be affection, right. You put your hand on their shoulder or their leg or something, right. It is attention. You can often turn that into empathy, you know, uh, being heard, being validated. So, so important. And when you have that as a child, when your needs are getting met, you are less anxious, less angry. You are more cooperative, all of those things. It's just so key. That's why this is so important. Yeah, for sure. I think that's what's so, so powerful is when you think about the cycle that this creates in sort of a positive way of kids feel like, oh, I don't need to act out as much because I can tell my mom, yeah. you know, I didn't want to do that, you know, or I can feel, because a lot of kids I, I see they're acting out partially because they didn't think they could tell their parents something. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. Oh, so I, true. I, I didn't want to go to that camp, but I didn't think I could say anything. And so then I really acted out, you know, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, if you can build that bond and be proactive, then maybe some of those discussions can be discussions and not, you know, dealing with the after effects, really. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And as we know, as kids get older, the stakes get higher and we want them coming to us, not to other people. And what I, you know, I, I wonder how you would, how you would use what you know, what you've learned to talk about really hard things. So talking about COVID when it first came in, talking about the war in Ukraine, political questions that, that your kids may have, what do you suggest yes. how we enter into those conversations? Yeah. Sure. Yes. I think one thing first is just to realize that these are ongoing conversations. So mm. to feel like you could have them piece by piece, and let them unfold and let your child have some time in between to process things. Mm. Not to feel like, oh, there's this one speech I need to give or there's this lecture or something and I need to make sure it's right. You right. can put that pressure away and feel like, well, I can just introduce the subject. I can see, check in with them, what, see what they know about it, kind of get a sense of their frame of reference because then you really have an idea of well, where do I want to start? You know, do they know about COVID already, for example, when it started? Mm -hmm. Or have they heard of the war in, you know, Ukraine or not? Um, you know, my, my daughter actually and I were passing, you know, we live in Boston, we were passing a group of people carrying Ukrainian flags, you know, and she was like, what is that? And that actually started our conversation, you know, when you can mm. notice something concrete and say like, oh, well, that's actually a way in. Um, mm. So sometimes that can be a way. Um, and also just to, recognize that children might have a lot of misconceptions and fears that we don't know yeah um, 
And so to kind of first see like, well, what are you worried about when you think about this or when you hear this? What do you think is the worst that could happen? What, you know, what are you scared about? Um, or what concerns you? So to actually get that from kids, we often make so many assumptions, you know, and we think, mm. oh, kids, kids all think this thing. Um, you know, my daughter, for example, said like, oh, I thought wars all were ended 100 years ago or 100 years ago. And I was like, oh, wow, I had, you know, we never really had talked about the fact that wars were ongoing. Um, and she had read about it in some kind of history book, you know, but didn't yeah. really know. So I think to really just do that check in can be so important to help kids yeah. actually learn. Well, and, and to think that they're not thinking about it or not talking about it, you know, the school, school, you know, teachers talk about it, kids yeah. talk about it. And I always think that it's really important for us to be the ones to manage the information for our kids, right? But not to overdo it. You know, I know that you know, when COVID first started, it was scary. And many of us had the news on sort of 24 seven and that's scary for kids, right? They overhear things. And like you said, they have misconceptions, they have fears, and that leads to the wrong conclusion. And then they have anxiety, worries, stress, and that shows up in behavior not in mom, can we have a talk about COVID-19? Exactly. Like it doesn't happen that way, right? It comes out as behavior and then we get stressed and worried. And then we start, then we punish the wrong, we punish, which is yeah. not the right way to handle it, but we're, we're, we're reacting to the behavior, not what's driving it. And that is the key is to be like, Oh, hold on a second. You're really stressed because this is what's happening right now. Hey, that I can work with. Yeah. Yeah. To help kids actually articulate that. A lot of times yeah. kids don't even know why they're acting out mm -hmm. or why they're seeming depressed or why they're feeling anxious. You know, so it's actually helping them talk through that is really doing them a service also. So I love mm -hmm. that. That's great. And, and you don't have to have all the answers either. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because sometimes as parents, we want to be the experts and say like, well, I can answer all of these things for you, but actually to let kids know that, you know, people still don't have the answer for that or, People are still trying to figure that out. Um, mm. So that can actually, it can be scary, but it can actually give kids some hope too. You know, like scientists are still working on that. And, yeah. you know, people are still are trying, you know, so emphasize kind of that optimism. Yeah. People are working on that, but we still aren't, we aren't there yet. I think some kids are really, you know, benefit from hearing that too. Oh, I completely agree. And, and for you to, for you to assure them that, look, I am on it. Mm -hmm. I'm on it. Yeah. I, I am learning and you can come to me anytime and I, you know, and, and I'll update you as I learn more age appropriately, of course. Um, but, you know, to, to sort of say, look, I don't know what now, but you can trust that, you know, mom and dad have got this or, you know, in our family, you know, the grownups are the ones who will keep you safe. We're the ones who are going to learn the information we need to know, and we will make the decisions to keep you safe. You don't have to worry. You can just be right. a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. so many kids feel like, oh, I need to start doing this or I need to be, you know, figuring and solving the world's yes. problems. You know? So yeah, yes. to actually feel like you can take that away as a burden, I think is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because kids will make it their, 
fault. They will make it a problem a hundred percent. So you are so great because you're going to give us a list of conversation starters for the parent toolbox. And I'm really excited about this because let's be honest, we need as much help as we can get as parents. Right. And, you know, I still like what you said, be specific, notice, be an observer and listen. And I want to say one thing about listening, listen without judgment, listen to understand, not to respond, right? Don't think you know it all and know what they're going to say. Actually listen and try to like stop your brain from, you know, from wanting to go and compare and judge and, and respond. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think to actually see, can you stay on that topic with them and follow that train of thought? Good one. Um, it's actually good without saying like good, bad, whatever, but really to just say like, let's actually stay with that. Um, it could be a really good exercise. Oh, this is, this is so great. And you've made it really simple. Thank you for the self-compassion because we do it wrong and it's okay to do it wrong. Uh, you know, just be aware of it, notice it and, and know that there's people like you and podcasts like parenting our future that are here to help you. Right. Like how do I talk to my kid? No, no, but you are here to help us. And your book is The Art of Talking to Children, which is so wonderful. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for the um, the handout in the Parent Toolbox. So if you aren't a member, it's a free membership. It's www.parent-toolbox.com. You can download this and so many other, there's over a hundred different things and tools and strategies and, you know, for all different ages, all different subjects, all different experts. And Rebecca Roland, I am so happy to have you among our experts. Thank you so much for talking through this. Thank you for this conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and this is so valuable. Thank you so much. And before we go, I just want to say that the, the book is the art of talking to children, but on your website, rebeccaroland.com, which is in the show notes, people can go there to find out more about you, your work, and there's resources there as well. Yes. Yeah. There's a newsletter there as well. Um, and also other tips, other blog posts that I'm always posting. So yeah, for sure. I'd love for people to check that out as well. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. This has been yeah, such a great conversation. So yeah. <laughs> all the work you do. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and